Retreat House listeners, you are in for a treat today. I, I still can't believe I got to sit across the table from Jill Briscoe, the Jill Briscoe. It was such a one. I had such a wonderful time with her. I went and met her at her hotel, and we were down in the breakfast room, which you'll hear the people um, in the background uh, cleaning, and you'll hear some high heels going across the tiled floor. Um, it was just, it was the best place that was available to record, and I was not going to miss out on the opportunity to sit with Jill and to be able to record a conversation with her and, and bring that conversation to you. I just, I. <laughs> I loved every second of it. It was, she's as wonderful as you would think in person. And I, when I listened back to the episode, I forgot how much we laughed. It was just delightful and lovely and all the good things and way more than I ever expected, just beyond my expectations. It was, was wonderful. So without further ado, my conversation with Jill Briscoe. Welcome to the Retreat House Podcast. I'm your host, Angela Smith. I've invited a friend to the table to share their story. Come and join us. Welcome to the table. I, this is, oh my goodness, this is such a special episode for me. Uh, We are continuing our conversation about spiritual formation, and today I have the opportunity to sit down with the Jill Briscoe to talk about spiritual formation. I'm I am just thrilled beyond words. I've already cried a couple times while we've been talking, um, so I think this is going to be a really special conversation. I first heard of Jill when I was attending IF in 2017. A gray-haired woman walked out on the stage, and I was thrilled, and then she opened her mouth, and she was British. And as you know, I love all things British, so it is just, I'm ecstatic. I'm beyond words to welcome Jill Briscoe to the podcast. Well, Welcome. thank you, sweetheart. <laughs> I'm so glad you're here. Um, if you are not familiar with Jill, she is a poet. Uh, well, first, she's a wife. She's a mother. She's a grandmother. Are you a great-grandmother? I'm going to be this year. Oh, that's exciting. <laughs> and a poet, an author, a speaker. She and her husband and their son lead Telling the Truth Ministries. Yes, she travels. She goes around the globe once a year sharing God's word and um, just doing the thing that God has put before her to do. So welcome, welcome. Is there anything else you'd like to say to introduce yourself? No, please. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, why don't we, we're going to, we talked a little bit beforehand about what we're going to talk about. So Mm -hmm. let's, but let's start at the beginning when you came to know God, when you walked through the door, as I've heard you say mm-hmm. it. Well, um, I'm very old. <laughs> I'm in my 80s, but I've lied so much about my... I can't remember how old. I think I'm 84. <laughs> that means I'm a child of the Second World War, six mm-hmm. when it began, about 12 when it finished, whatnot. And uh, born in England, so the only thing I knew about God was uh, in my formal Anglican prayers that had to be because it was Church of England in public schools. So I knew about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, and the Apostles' Creed, all of that, mm-hmm. and that was it. 
And so after the war was over, I had a lot of God questions. Well, I had a lot of God questions because of the war. Mm-hmm. Who was trying to kill us in our little shelter and what sort of a God was he that wouldn't stop the bombs and all of this. But nobody I ever met in so-called Christian England answered any of my questions and that was because I wasn't asking the, the questions. How did I know how to ask a question about God, huh? They were all inner questions and it wasn't until I got to Cambridge that I found people that began to answer them. And so it was through an experience at Cambridge, actually not through a student, but I got sick and was taken into hospital. And a nurse who was sick in the next bed to me began to answer my God questions and eventually led me to the Lord. Mm. So that's how I found Christ. Yeah. And when I've heard you share about that story, the, the imagery was about a door. Yes. Well, that's because C.S. Lewis, and most of you might know his name, or many of you would, was a professor of medieval history at Oxford, and he was an atheist. He was on the BBC teaching medieval history. His, only today is the BBC the only radio program, but it has channels. It has a history channel, a medical channel, a religious channel, and all that was on the religious channel in England in my days was a hymn sing from different mm. churches on a Sunday night. A, I don't think I'd even ever heard, but no teaching program. And so it was through an atheist professor of medieval history that England listened to because he was a fabulous speaker. Mm-hmm. And you could write in questions. Listen to me, a stamp an envelope. <laughs> that was the way. <laughs> That's how old I am and how old everybody in England was. <laughs> so um, that was happening because they were fascinated with what he said. And at one point he said, apparently, I never heard this, but students in Oxford and Cambridge started writing down his answers. I'll tell you why I'm an atheist, and then he would define it. An atheist says there can't be a God. And I'll tell you why, because I'm a medieval history prof. Let me tell you what the Church of Jesus Christ was doing Mm -hmm. just before the the Reformation Mm -hmm. in Germany. Unfortunately, the church was at its lowest moment, but God used that to bring the Reformation and the renewal and revival to his church. And he didn't talk about the renewal and revival. He talked about his part of history, which was just before that happened, with the church doing not good things. That's why I'm not a Christian. If that's the church, forget it. And then he'd go on. And then later he, he defined an atheist as somebody that um, had to know everything to be able to say there wasn't a God in the everything he knew. He said, I don't know everything I knew. I shouldn't have said I was an atheist. I'm an agnostic. And then he'd define it on and on until one glorious day, apparently, in one of his lectures, he said, I am now a totally convinced Christian. Then they began not to ask about medieval history. Surely, Professor Lewis said somebody in England, in a letter to the BBC, you don't believe in heaven and hell. He gave them his answers of what he did believe and used actually an image from the Bible that we would know in church quite well. And it was the image of the image of the church with Jesus standing outside knocking on the door 
And one of his famous quotes, well after his conversion, is this, there is a door opened in the pitiless walls of the world, and one day we may follow our great captain inside. Mm. And that was something that somebody scribbled down in my college and began to share with their friends. And I was in the lunch line, making fun and having a good time, and put my hand out to, you know, emphasize something. Mm -hmm. And somebody put the answers of his into my hand about the door. And I left the lunch line, and I went to my little Cambridge room, and I wanted to talk to God, but I didn't know how to, so I didn't. I just said, read me. Mm. Shut my eyes and said, read me. If only someone would tell me, God read. And three weeks later, I was in hospital, and somebody did. And so he answered my first ever prayer. Mm. I love that. It's a beautiful, and he, and he does. He does. He does do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so after the woman that was in the bed next to you yes. led you to know him, then she started, when I've heard you talk before, you've talked about how then she said, now tell, tell the nurses, tell the other nurses yeah. what you know. Yeah. <laughs> yes, the next day she says, tell the nurse, how's the head nurse? Tell her what we did last night when Jesus knocked on your door. And I said, what? what? She said, just do it. I did everything she told me. Mm-hmm. Now, what was I going to say? So I did my best. Mm-hmm. And then the nurse rushed away. And I said, how did I do? She said, terrible. Now, here's another nurse. Try again. <laughs> Seven nurses. <laughs> right. And evangelism had begun in Jill Ryder. <laughs> and uh, the next couple of days she said I, I prayed you won't get well very soon I said well gee thanks <laughs> what she said I've seen your friends I've heard your language mm. I know you know Jesus now and I know you're going back to college and I know what's going to happen when you get there and so I need a lot of time to tell you more mm. of how to be the Christian you've become and God answered a prayer they never did find out what was wrong mm. three weeks later I went back to college. I was better from whatever. I think God just took me in there to get me saved, quite mm-hmm. honestly. Mm-hmm. I mean, he used a real physical thing to do it. Right. And so that's... And she kept hold of me, and she, uh, what we would call now, followed me up. I didn't know that's what she was doing with me, but she helped me read the Bible. She helped me, above all, to meet God on the steps of my soul in the deep Mm. place where nobody goes which was Lewis's quote that's what I've been doing ever since and and she was a nurse wasn't she? she was a top nurse actually but she was sick herself so she but she wasn't a pastor she wasn't formally trained she was six months old in Jesus Mm -hmm. she was in a wonderful Anglican church with a very famous theologian of my time Mm -hmm. Dr. John Stott and had come to the Lord in that Anglican church six Mm -hmm. months before she came back to Cambridge where she nursed. She lived in London. So, and I've heard you talk about links of a chain, Mm -hmm. about how, just to put the next link on, which sounds like what she was, what she was doing. We we talk a little bit about that? Yes. Yes, that's a good, she's a good example of that. People have said to me over the years, Jill, it says in the Bible that we all have gifts and 
At first I thought, what's the gift of an evangelist? So I asked my pastor and he told me. And really, it, it, I, I got the impression it was putting the last link on the chain. Mm -hmm. And that's the four spiritual laws. You know, do you know you're a sinner? Mm -hmm. Christ died for you. Do you want to accept his spirit into your heart? Etc. And let me help you do that in a prayer. And that became the last link because the miracle of Dr. Billy Graham happened as I got saved. Mm. And he came to England after he had an incredible experience in America at a conference. And God began using that man as the man of our century to uh, do evangelism and more to find out who the Jesus, the thousands through him who came to Christ, how they, did they then grow in God and be used of him. And you got involved with yes. the Billy Graham. Yeah, in, in an amazing way. So right from the beginning at Haringey, uh, that was when I just got saved. And Jenny, because she's in this wonderful church, was in one of the churches that invited Dr. Graham to do Haringey. And that's the nurse that was in the bed yes. next to you, Jenny. Yes. Okay. So the link was with, and the blessing of the Grahams mm -hmm. in my life began with Haringey because she said, you have to come and meet Billy Graham and his family. I said, who's he? Does he live in London? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and she said, no, he's an American. I mean... I didn't know. Mm -hmm. Nobody knew, mm -hmm. actually, mm -hmm. until Haringey was over. Yeah. Okay. And this is the 1950s, isn't it? I can't... 50... It, it was just on The Crown. 58. I'm a little 59. bit of a British drama junkie. Yeah, I watched The know? Crown. Oh, yes. And it talked about Billy did, Graham going and meeting the Queen. Yes. Did you, did you see the King's speech? Did you yes. see Churchill, The Darkest Hour? No, I haven't seen that one yet. To see it. Well, and Dunkirk. I haven't watched and Dunkirk. Dunkirk. All of that was in my youth. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. My two boys, uh, I've got two boys, and in fifth grade they do a wax museum where they have to study a person, uh -huh. and then they are that person. Yes. And then you go up and you press the button, and they give you a little spiel about who wow. they are. Oh. Well, my oldest, when he was in fifth grade, did Winston Churchill. Oh. And now my youngest has chosen Winston Churchill oh, my as well, which makes me who loves all things see, British. They have to see the darkest hour. Mm -hmm. That's that's a, kind of newer, newer oh, one, it, isn't it? Yes, two okay. years ago. Yeah, but it is. I, I assure you, Stuart said. My husband said that's the best film I've ever seen mm -hmm. uh, of of British history and of Churchill. And there have been others and. Uh, Downton Abbey. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, this is the story. I heard <laughs> Churchill's first speech. I was six. We'll wow. fight on the beaches. We'll fight hand mm. to hand. We'll fight. We'll never surrender. And I was sick home with my mom. And uh, BBC came on with, it was always had to be on morning in the war, morning, noon and night, because it was the only way of telling the British people anything. Mm -hmm. And the warning came on and said, uh, Prime Minister, has a speech for the whole of England, listen, listen up. They didn't say listen up, they weren't American. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I heard it, and I, my eyes never took off my mom's face, and she, she told me afterwards she had to keep perfectly still and calm. And so I heard that speech. They're coming, we've nothing to stop them. They're at Dunkirk, they're coming over the... And, and then 
we'll fight on the beaches, we'll fight hand to hand, we'll never surrender. And after it was over, all you that live on the coast, pack two suitcases or for your family. And when you hear the church bells run, and that's all we had to tell everybody in England. There's a church on every corner in England. Mm -hmm. When you hear the church bells, come to the local church and you'll find a poster called Keep Calm and Carry On. It's there in preparation. Pick up a pile and as you run, put them on trees, put them on houses. Mm. put them on everything that is the keep calm carry on mm -hmm. that was taken to mean other things locally right and lately and so we did all of that we got the posters and I would go to school past my little suitcase and my sisters and my mom's and I couldn't hear her voice today you got your gas mask you got your charity penny uh, have you got you know uh, see you soon mm -hmm. and I would walk past them every day and it was when half a year later the fight over Dunkirk and all that was happening it wasn't that much, it was two months after mm. and so um, we ran up to the Lake District that's another story we could get off on a long yes. tangent. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. some of the we'll do that yeah, we'll do me. that after we're done recording we'll have a cup of coffee and I'll <laughs> <Yes>. tell you <laughs> deal and so uh, we talked, we touched on it just a little bit, but the, the chains. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yes. talk about Let the chains. Let me finish that. Um, it was the Graham organization that helped me be able to lead people to Jesus mm. because I didn't know how, you know. Uh, Jenny told me to do it, mm -hmm. so you can imagine the mess I was making <laughs> all along. But then she'd tell me what had gone wrong and then tell me how to do it right. So I was learning by doing, mm -hmm. which all of us need to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying wait till you know everything, how to do it, and then start. And you need to do what she told me to do. Mission fields between your own two feet. Where did that start for me? Hamilton College with my best friend, who was my roommate. Mm -hmm. And when I had my first go at her... I need to tell you, she never spoke to me again for the rest of the year. Mm. That's, that's what a good job I did. Mm. And so, um, a huge reaction. I lost my best friend. But Jenny had told me that was going to happen, so that helped me. Mm -hmm. And why? And she'd also put me in touch with Jesus lovers and glory givers at Homan. And they knocked at my door too and said, um, I heard from this lady and that you got you know, you asked Jesus, really? <laughs> These were the Christians. Mm -hmm. You mean she? She? Nah, come on. And bravely they took me on mm -hmm. and I met the, the other believers. But they helped me too to realize that um, I wasn't to start leading people to Jesus. That's the last link, mm -hmm. the prayer you pray to ask the Spirit into your heart. The many, many links before that. What are those links? Well, wherever they are, if they don't believe the Bible, don't give them some verses and pray the prayer with them, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. If you put that link on, that is evangelism. Nobody mm -hmm. can do the next link till you get to the last until you've proved that the, right. the Bible's true, right? Right, right. Well, and or that, science and the Bible, or whatever. Mm -hmm. Well, and that goes back to what you learned at Cambridge, too, with l learning to teach, Yes, that you were learning asking yourself the two questions who's in front of me yeah. and how do they learn that's right and that's uh, it wasn't what to teach it was learning skills 
Okay. And then they put me in four years in front of, I think, 200 different ages, not just of children, of adults, everything, and said, find your age. And I said, what do you mean? Mm -hmm. And they said, there will be something God has made you as a person that matches your age. And mm -hmm. I can't tell you what it is. But by the time I'd done that, I'd found it was junior high and students. Well, how did I find it? They got it when I talked to them. Mm -hmm. did, did an adult get it? No. And a love in my heart came for people that I not hated before, but didn't like. Mm -hmm. And I, I like my own age, of course, because I was so egotistical. I liked everything about me. <laughs> But actually, that was, that was my age. <laughs> I was a student. I was a millennial. Okay. I love me. Ooh. So, but by the time I'd done that, I found who I was teaching wasn't the millennial at that point. It was junior high kids. And that's where, so Cambridge taught me the first place you teach is junior high kids. And that was part of my learning. And so that's what I applied for in a public school in the red light district of um, junior high and senior high kids. Mm -hmm. It always has been, and students, uh, millennials. It's been, mm -hmm. it's been teens and millennials. The early 20s? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so you find by doing, and it isn't that I'm better at explaining the four spiritual laws to those people, it's that I know how I learned, mm. so I know how they learn. Mm -hmm. Well, and also those, those two questions, asking how they learn, how looking at it from a different perspective. So I was a communications major, okay, and, good. and good communication, the best communication happens when you're seeking to understand exactly. instead of seeking to be understood. That's brilliant. I want to write that down okay. after. Yeah. <laughs> <Remind> well, <laughs> so if that's you're what I'm trying to say. Right. When you're approaching yeah. someone, you're, yeah. how can I understand them? Yes. Or how are they yeah. trying to right. absorb this? Right. Mm -hmm. So you have to have the conversation just to talk about nothing, mm -hmm. to even listen. Mm -hmm. For, let me give you a quick example. Years, years, years later, I'm invited to do a uh, Youth for Christ junior high convention in California so I've got four hours on a plane and I'm sitting next to um, a self-made man who's worshipping his creator <laughs> a very big businessman that starts talking to me because he's sitting next to me mm -hmm. about himself and he doesn't quit for the first ten minutes so um, that's why I said self-made man very rich wealthy businessman who worshipped his creator okay never mind so I am busy writing a poem about the subject they've given me in California to talk about, mm -hmm. which is heaven and health. And I just vaguely pray, don't let him ask what I'm doing, <laughs> <laughs> which he does. Mm -hmm. And I think, well, I can get around it. I can say about Christianity or mm -hmm. whatnot. A poem. Yeah, mm -hmm. a poem. Mm -hmm. I didn't dare say a poem in case he said, read it to me. Mm. So I, I said, well, I've, I'm a Christian teacher, and there's a thing called Youth for Christ, and they get teenagers together to learn about Jesus and Christianity, and that's who I'm speaking to. 
And he said, what are you speaking about? Oh, there's no way around that one. <laughs> and I just said, okay, this will stop him asking questions. I said, heaven and hell. He said, what? Do you believe in hell? Mm. You seem an intelligent woman. And I thought, okay, here we go. This is the link I need to put on. Mm. Whatever am I going to do with this? And then to my horror, he said, well, when you finish that poem, I want to hear it. Mm. I thought, oh, my word. My poem was about an imaginative man who died and went to hell. And when he got there, he saw the snake and he had a little wish wand. It's called wish wand. And he waved it to and fro. And whatever way he waved it, it wouldn't go, the devil wouldn't go and all of this. And uh, wishes would not wish away my questions. And, you know, mm -hmm. and it goes on to the conversation I had. It's a bit like a very famous man called C.S. Lewis who wrote about <laughs> heaven and hell. Mm -hmm. And I didn't leave it there, of course. I talked about heaven and how you could be lost eternally, but how you could be saved eternally. Mm -hmm. And that's what I finished my talk to these 500 kids with, I was going to. So I just kept on writing, hoping he'd realize that I, I, wouldn't, I hadn't finished it, but I had finished it. I was just <laughs> doodling. <laughs> and he saw I was doodling. Mm -hmm. He said, oh, good, you finished it. <laughs> we were now about three quarters of an hour landing in, uh, where was it, San Francisco or somewhere. And so I said, Lord, if I've got some really good poems, how could I about you know what he needs to hear mm -hmm. and I just felt the Lord say put the link on mm. and so I read it to him and he had said you seem to be an intelligent woman I can't believe you haven't heard mm -hmm. and he stopped and he said do you really believe that I said yes sir why so I said because Jesus Christ, who is the truth, said, I am the truth. And he talked more about hell than he did about heaven. Mm -hmm. I wish he hadn't. I wish he didn't believe in hell. But the reason I believe he came as savior was to save us from hell. I said, sir, would you let me send you some books? By this man I keep quoting, C.S. Lewis. He said, now who was he? So I told him. And he said, I'd be interested. Hmm. So, did I lead him to Jesus and he's now the Archbishop of Canterbury? <laughs> no. <laughs> I just put on a link. Mm -hmm. And probably for years there'll have to be other links before one day I believe because I'm going to pray for him. Mm. Lord, today. And I put those people on a prayer list and I gather them all together and I bring them into the presence of God every so often. And I say, today, would you send somebody a student, a mom, a dad, a child, mm -hmm. to put on the next link. That's evangelism, guys. Mm. I love that. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about sometimes when I tried to put on a link and it didn't really go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> as oh, then you I, feel, and then you say, I'm not an evangelist. Right. No, I, you're not. Or you are, all mm -hmm. of us are. Mm -hmm. During your lifetime, there will be a time, and you might not know till you get to heaven and find them there, you put on the last link. Mm-hmm. There will be, I believe that, with all my heart. Mm -hmm. And you might not know till you get to heaven. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, you probably will now. That I was, I have three older sisters, and we were driving in a car, and I had one of my podcast episodes I had to listen to before, oh. before it went yes. out. And I said, do you mind uh-huh. if we listen to my, uh-huh. this, I need to listen to this. Yeah. And it was the episode uh, that I had a few weeks back about wonder, wonder uh-huh. and awe. And so we were talking about a lot about God's kingdom and yeah. God's kingdom being now. It's something later, but it's also something yeah. now. And so my sister asked, what is that? What is God's kingdom? Mm-hmm. And at one point I was talking uh, about an alternate universe. I, I, uh, I just couldn't find the words to explain it. And I yes. thought, I just messed this up. Like, like me. Yes. In this <laughs> illustration, I know <laughs> we should have a group. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but we ended up, we got past that and ended up having this wonderful conversation. But I, I just say that. Yes. And so that if people are listening that, Sometimes it's going to be messy, yeah. and that's okay. And it doesn't seem adequate. And, oh, right. why didn't I put more of that link, or mm-hmm. you know what I mean, mm-hmm. or another link on? Right. Leave that to God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was there was a stirring and a question, yeah. and so I'm going to let him do. That's right. And I'm also going to study a little bit more about the kingdom of God yeah. and try to have a better answer yeah. in case that happens Let again. me just add one verse of scripture. Mm-hmm. Paul is talking to people in a church and uh, the church has got to the point where there's a lot of popular speakers. Paul's one of them. And so is, is it Barnabas, the other two that he mentions. Somebody sowed, somebody watered, uh, it's only God that gives the increase. Mm. Where is that? I'll look it up and I'll put it in the show Can notes. Can you? And please mm-hmm. correct it properly. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'll, I'll quote it in <laughs> the But you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. He's, he said, some of you follow me, some of you follow Apollos, somebody follow. But who is, who is Apollos? He sowed, who am I? I taught, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. It's a perfect passage. So if you could add that scripture, read it at the end, that would be good. Mm-hmm. I will, I will. So then you had this conversion experience and you were working with the Graham Association. Somewhere in there you got married as well. No, right? we never worked with them. Okay. But we, we, were at the f- we were then working in our own mission, but we okay. would be at the first, because we were in different countries, we'd meet the Grahams as, later as it went worldwide. Okay. We would be there and always if it was European country mm-hmm. and then we would help with the counseling and help okay. with whatever they wanted us mm-hmm. and actually help them later to bring Anne their daughter mm-hmm. to England and to different places oh, okay and then I'd do whatever they wanted me to do mm-hmm. you know so we were never on their team just privileged to be the and volunteer now, and work now we've been teaching at the Cove that which is their Bible study camp mm-hmm. for years so that's the privilege they've given us. And something I hear every time that you speak too is that that your mission field is between your two feet. Yes. And just doing the thing that's in front of you, yeah. just doing the next, right. just doing the next thing. And that time that I heard you speak at if something that stuck with me was go where you're sent, stay where you're put, unpack and give what you've got. That's right. So that's act 1. Jesus, before he went to heaven, said, Start in, stay till the Holy Spirit comes. Now, this is Jesus in his resurrection body after 40 days, hanging around after 40 days instead of going straight to heaven. He had to make sure 
that his disciples believed he was risen from the dead. Mm -hmm. Like Thomas didn't even believe until he walked through a door and said, look at my hand. Mm -hmm. And he, he had to make sure his disciples and the people in the upper room knew about the church. And he had to, three things that they had to know. And as he's about to ascend into heaven, he starts to ascend apparently and the angels come and says, why are you looking into heaven? Ah, who wouldn't be? Right. He just no, floated don't up. Go, don't go. Right. Where, where are you? Where are you? Yeah, exactly. Right? That's what I, I'd be saying. Right, exactly. Oops. <laughs> and, he, and the angels say, hey, get going. Mm. He said, Jerusalem, get back to the upper room. Wait mm -hmm. for the Pentecost he told you about. And then they stopped looking up into heaven. We have to stop, by the way, looking up to heaven. When are you coming again? Come today. Mm. I need you to get me out of here. And we need to get on with what is going to happen until he's ready to come. He knows the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I obviously believe occupy till he comes. But that's, that's what we need to occupy till he comes. And the word means get going. <laughs> and so where do we... Jerusalem, what's your Jerusalem? That's where you are, your home, wherever you mm -hmm. live. My neighborhood. There you go. And if you're a teenager, it's your school, mm -hmm. etc. If you're a nurse, it's obviously your hospital. <laughs> <laughs> and patients like me right. that come in who need the link putting on, whatever. I'd love to come again as a nurse, be born again as a nurse, because what an opportunity mm -hmm. anyone medical in a hospital has. Everyone's terrified. Mm-hmm. And a Christian nurse will make you more frightened. Yeah. <laughs> so you'll listen. <laughs> well, and even a little step beyond that, I would say hospice nurses. My mom oh, my word, yes. passed away 10 years ago. Oh, my word. And that word. hospice nurse, oh. that was a ministry oh. that she, she ministered yeah. to us in that time. When I became yeah. a pastor's wife, I went to the chaplain and said, teach me how to, will you take me into hospice? Mm. So for 30 years, I learned how important that was to learn. To walk through that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Put the last link on. Mm -hmm. So when we were talking before we started recording, I was talking about something that I've been trying to do with this series on spiritual formation is to talk about the things that are prescriptive in our spiritual formation, which is God's word uh -huh. and prayer, and then some of the things that are descriptive, uh -huh. which are the ways that we experience God. Uh -huh. uh, and when I was describing that for me it's the North Shore and standing on the shore, you said, oh, it's like Elijah. And you said, it's, you have to find your mountain. Uh -huh. Will you say a little, talk a little bit more about yes, that? Yes, I wrote a book called Prayer That Works and uh, about the prayer life of Elijah. There was only him and God in it. Read the three chapters in the Old Testament. And I realized it was what he said to God and God said to him. That's the whole story. Somebody put that down. Mm. Mm. And so I thought, I needed at that point in my life my prayers to work desperately for one of my children. And I thought if I could find somebody in the Bible whose prayers worked, and then in James, I was actually in James, he was looking for an illustration of somebody whose prayers worked. And he only had the Old Testament, that was his Bible. And so mm -hmm. he, Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed and God shut up the heavens. He prayed and God, I, I said, I need that power mm. for my child. So I went to the prayer life that James had used as an example and uh, wrote a book and dug in myself what worked, what didn't, what did God say to pray, really? 
and then just the ordinary uh, struggles through prayer. That was very helpful for me. And so what, but what I did before Elijah is I started in Genesis and looked every time, it took me about six months, every time somebody prayed and what happened or didn't. Mm. I mean, prayed to God, mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. the God they didn't know or did know, our God. Mm -hmm. And so I've got about 10 other books I should write <laughs> that taught me more mm -hmm. than all I learned through Elijah. So it was in that context. Finding, finding your mountain. You go to the Bible and you find something that relates. I was looking for prayer life. I was also looking for instructions. I found those in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. And uh, not suggestions, but orders from Jesus. When you pray, not if mm. you pray. Mm -hmm. I went through the Gospels of everything Jesus said. I did a book on the Lord's Prayer and all of this. And so it was a long time before... I wrote that book. Mm -hmm. I love that that account of Elijah, though, yeah. in the mountain waiting for God. Well, that was at the end when he had it and he went to his cave of retirement on his holy hill. Mm -hmm. And God said, you've got something left to do. And he's, he said, oh, hi, only I, which was stupid. I'm left that loved you and look at this. And now I'm, I, I'm running away to be killed and all of this. And I uh, found this cave, and I'm safe, and it's Horeb. We went back to what I knew, and God said, come on, outside the cave. And it was in a storm. I want to talk to you. And he stood on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, and the Lord wasn't in the noise and the shouting. The big. Suddenly, he wasn't in, in the big. He, well, he was in that still, small whisper. Mm -hmm. And that's what said... What are you doing here, Elijah? Mm -hmm. Go, I've, I've got one more thing to do. Go back the way you came. You'll find somebody to anoint. You'll find da-da-da. And the chariot's waiting, literally, at the end. And Elijah went. Mm -hmm. Five times it says, and Elijah went. He went to tell the king. He went to be hidden. He and Elijah went. He went to the widow, Zarevath, which is Jezebel's hometown, incidentally. <laughs> <laughs> He said, really, God? And God said, really. And the widow story and all of that. He just was obedient. He just said yes. That's my biggest thing when I teach prayer. Will you just say yes, guys? Well, and that reminds me of something else. Uh, my friend Elizabeth actually uh, was talking about when she has heard you speak that, that you talked about that courage comes after obedience. Obedience. That sometimes well, we have to... Well, courage is fear that said its prayers. You say that again? Courage is fear that said its prayers. Mm -hmm. It's my incident of not having physical courage to get myself into a very dangerous place years ago. And prayed all night. I, I had Christian people I'd ordered. I'm very bossy, as you realize. <laughs> you go over there. Yes, you go in that pub here. Yeah. Always take somebody with you. Da, 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 da. And I left myself without anyone. Mm. And there's the worst place I'm standing outside, and it's my struggle to get myself in there. Mm. And I pray for courage and it never comes because I think courage is a feeling. I didn't realize that. And the only feeling I had was panic and fear. Mm -hmm. So I went home, they all came back, they'd been obedient, took the students back to Bible college, went back myself. That's what you do, you have to go if you're beaten until you face it and figure it out and started again give me courage to go inside 
and the still small voice said, will you go in frightened out of your mind for me because it's the right thing to do? Mm. And I said, I can do that. I can do it frightened. Never occurred to me. If you expect me to go in there, at least you can do is, yes, I love this, right? <laughs> what are we thinking? And as soon as I said, I left my feelings outside, took my will by the hand, said, feet move, which all of us can do and they will. Mm -hmm. And I took the first steps of obedience, the courage began to come. Mm. Enough. To, to take the next step. To get inside and say, take me to the manager and start that whole thing that happened. And my heart never stopped beating that night, but I had enough to do what I needed to do to open up that place for evangelism for eight years with the students. And I stayed frightened, and, I, and you should. I suddenly realized God gave us sensible fear. Mm -hmm. But if you know, and you will know, that what he's asking you to do. You said, Jill, you, this is dangerous stuff. I don't want my kid. Talk to some missionaries, will mm -hmm. you? And obviously we must be sensible. And you must be sensible telling your kids what they should be doing out in the streets, etc., etc., and be careful. But take away the dramatic, just daily obedience, mm -hmm. you know, there have been times where I've done things and people have said, how are you feeling about it? And yeah. I've said, I, I feel... That's the American question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I said, I feel afraid. Yeah. But it's the kind of fear that keeps me clinging, mm -hmm. that keeps me not standing in my own abilities, mm -hmm. but knowing that I've done what I can, mm -hmm. but I'm going to cling to him mm -hmm. because I need to. Yeah. Well, the biggest thing is go into all the world. The music world, right. the Beatles world, the prison world, the mm -hmm. downtown of your country. Do you know tonight, to, I, I brought a paper from two days ago, headlines, more opioid deaths than there have ever been. Mm. And this morning I, I had breakfast here in this hotel and watched Baltimore do 14 minutes on deaths through opioids. Mm. That was the morning news. Mm -hmm. And the, the total, just overwhelming. And they took us to Baltimore last night with the people that were dying out there. Mm -hmm. And I thought, my word, here's the, here's the USA Today. And here's this this morning. And this isn't anything that's ever happened at this rate before. And the deaths right across America. Mm -hmm. Does that mean that just the police and the Christians go down there? No, because some of you live there. You live in Baltimore. It means that's your Jerusalem. Mm. And walk into the Salvation Army, walk into the Christian police and say, how can I help? And what can I do? Mm -hmm. And could I take in the battered woman who comes to the Sally Army but they can only keep her for four nights. She can come to my house, mm -hmm. my Bethany house. So find out and don't do it on your own unless you are in an uh, orderly outreach movement, which some churches are. Mm -hmm. But um, that's the extreme. 
but do it where you can and should in your in your environment mm -hmm. or in the upper outer place where seniors are killing themselves for different reasons mm -hmm. what about mm -hmm. that it was something that we talked about before we started recording too was mm -hmm. the church needing to move that the church has been yeah. consuming 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 and becoming the, i guess the way that i've said Internal. it is obese yeah. become obese and just needs to but also protecting exercise protecting. also protective right and comfortable yeah. and all about Com comfort yeah but needing to yes. exercise more, that right. mm -hmm. walk it out. Are there, is there anything that we haven't talked about with don't spiritual think so, formation? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's sufficient, probably. Okay. I forgot to tell you this, so if you need a minute to think, it's okay. There are two questions I ask all my guests. Oh, okay, go ahead. The first one is, how do you retreat? Is it a place? Is it a practice? Uh -huh. What does retreat look like okay. to you? collapse <laughs> <laughs> sometimes God has to let me literally run myself out mm. and necessarily need my mountain you know mm -hmm. but I can't do it because I'm booked a year ahead of myself and I have to get in a plane and go on mm. etc and that's that's why God does that to me because otherwise I would have collapsed years ago and never done anything else. Mm -hmm. So you have to keep what you promise you'll do, and God will see to it. You either have a choice about what you do, which thousand people do. Mm -hmm. Well, I do. I have a choice to cancel all my meetings, mm. or the next one, or whatnot. We all have a chance to, to collapse, and to. Well, I need to rest, God. If he says, rest, do, but don't be an Elijah and run away to rest mm -hmm. to your mountain. Mm -hmm. Stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord and find out what he wants you to do. And there are other situations when he was under the broom tree. He said, go to sleep and rest. Mm -hmm. And the only time he didn't do what he was told was when he went to Horeb. It doesn't say he said, go to. He said, I'll cook you breakfast. Jesus cooked him breakfast. He said, go sleep, just physically, just sleep. And then he cooked him another one and said, sleep again. And he never said, go to Horeb. He wanted to say, now go down the mountain. This is Elijah. Yeah, Elijah, okay. sorry. And um, so when you're under the broom tree, don't go on running away. Because he'll be there ahead of you anyway and say, come and talk to me on the mountain. <laughs> <laughs> now go back the way you came. came. <laughs> So anyway. And then my second question is, if you were to use the hashtag, I don't know how much you use hashtags, if you were to use the hashtag celebrate weird to describe something about yourself, what would that be? Well, first of all, I need a five-year-old to explain that to me. <laughs> Anything that's weird or quirky about you or your personality oh, my dear. that you think is normal? We need to do a whole other hour. <laughs> Just no. one will suffice. <laughs> I, I think... I'm not alone, but um, all my life I've struggled with worry and prayer mm. about what I needed to do when I wasn't even a Christian, as a student, uh, or, you know, in life, or with my parents, starting back then. Mm -hmm. And the challenges God has given me are just ridiculous for somebody like me who's very fearful mm -hmm. and very worried. 
and I just keep coming back to what we talked about. I've done it worried, and I've mm. done it frightened. But I've done it, and when, after I've done it, I, I have enough while I'm doing it, have everything I need, mm-hmm. and afterwards there's a, yes, thank you. It's like God's kiss on my cheek. Mm-hmm. It's worth everything to know I said yes. And uh, obedience to me is the whole story. And I can do it. Everybody can do it. He promises you the power to take the first step. And once I learned that, there's no excuse. I'm either disobedient or obedient. Mm. But the, re- the, the rewards of saying yes, not of seeing anything good happen, but putting on my next link. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that story I just told of walking into the first dance hall stuff and drug place, and I just hadn't the courage. That was a link that two years later gave fruit. Mm. And God allowed me still to be part of that miracle in mm-hmm. that dance hall. But the willingness to believe God will hear your prayer, whether you see it or not, or a part of it or not, release me mm-hmm. to put on those links. And that's the biggest thing I can tell you. Just say yes to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the hard places, mm-hmm. or for some of you, the uttermost parts of the earth. Thank you okay. so much okay. for taking time to sit and record this. This oh. has been a privilege to sit oh, across the table you. from you. Well, thank you for the opportunity. Hi, everybody I'm talking yeah. to. I have no idea who you are. <laughs> yeah. See you in heaven. Would you, would you say a prayer <laughs> yes, to I'd love close to. us out? Yeah, I'd love thank to. You. Father God, I ask quite simply that everything that is pretty irrelevant to these questions would be taken from people's minds when they hear it. But everything I will believe, and we do believe, you want it said, may be heard. And I pray people would just open their hearts and minds to think about this, to play this again, and to, to say, okay, I'm going to stand on this mountain and listen with expectation of the still small voice saying, this was for you, that was for you, and then just Say yes. Be obedient, will you? Jesus, may this happen. And bless this ministry of if gathering amazing movement of God. And bless this podcast and all the podcasts that are coming out of this. Think about the multiplication of this ministry. Pray for us. We would ask. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining me at the table. Any links or anything that we talked about during the show can be found in the show notes. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe. Or if you've already subscribed, please go leave a review so others can find us too. If you want to keep up with what's happening with Retreat House, you can find us at at Retreat House Podcast. If you want to keep up with what's happening with me, you can find me at at Angela Smith MN. Again, thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next week at the Retreat House Podcast. Mm-hmm.